Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Morning. Um, Our first reading is from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 63. The men who were holding Jesus started mocking and beating him. After blindfolding him, they kept asking, prophesy, who hit you? And they were saying many other blasphemous things against him. When daylight came, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, convened and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They said, if you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, if I do tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He said to them, you say that I am. Why do we need any more testimony, they said, since we've heard it ourselves from his mouth. Then their whole assembly rose up and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, we found this man subverting our nation, opposing payment of taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You have said it. Pilate then told the chief priests and crowds, I find no grounds for charging this man. But they kept insisting. He stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee where he started even to here. When Pilate heard this, he asked if the man was a Galilean. Finding that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was also in Jerusalem during those days. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. For a long time, he had wanted to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some miracle performed by him. So he kept asking him questions, but Jesus did not answer him. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt mocked him, dressed him in a brilliant robe and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Previously, they had been hostile towards each other. Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders and the people and said to them, you have brought me this man who, as one who subverts the people. But in fact, after examining him in your presence, I have found no grounds to charge this man and those things you accuse him of. Neither has Herod, because he sent him back to us. Clearly, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. For according to the festival, he had to release someone to them. Then they all cried out together, take this man away, release Barabbas to us. He had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what has this man done wrong? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. 
but they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand and release one, the one they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will. Our second Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 23, verse 26 to 56. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all here this morning. My name's, my name's Craig. I'm one of the ministers here. Let's, uh, let's pray just one more time. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for Easter. And we ask now, as we come to look at it, that you would help us, each one of us in this room, to understand what it is you have to say and that you would help us all to see Jesus and see the cross a bit more clearly. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, there are some times when you hear something or you realize something and then everything changes. Or you, you, know, you see something that maybe you've seen all the time, you see all over the, the place or you see often, but then you see it in a new way or from a new angle and suddenly it, it, it all just seems new. 
Like sometimes things sound good to start with. They sound positive. They sound like you want them. But then the more you hear it, or the more you understand what it is, you realize maybe it's not as good as you first thought. It's like when you're a kid perhaps and you first heard about supervision and you just think that sounds awesome, supervision. Yes, that's what I want, constant supervision. Yes, please. Whoa, constant adult supervision. That sounds amazing. Yes, please. And you find out what it actually is and you're like, oh, okay, right. That's what it is. That changes everything. No, thank you. This happens where you, you first hear something and it sounds good. It seems good. But then the more you hear about it, the less you like it. And then there's other things where maybe you've noticed and then as you see them, they get better and better and bigger and bigger and they start to change everything. It was probably 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, when I first realized that some people's names are verbs, you know, like doing words, like run, jump, swim. Some people's, not everyone's, but some people's names are verbs. And once you realize that, you'll just start to see it everywhere. Right? The more you, the, and then the more you, you think about it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change your life. I guarantee it. So for example, right, Mark, that's a name. But you can also mark something like an exam. And there's lots of names like that. Bob. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> Russell. Neil. Doug, Sue, Peg, Pat, Phil, Rob, Wade, Wayne, Eileen, going to change your life. The, the more you think about that, the more you're going to see. Because you've heard those names before, but you've not heard them like that. And now everything changes. There's this new layer on the world that's now opened up before you that was always there, but you'd never really seen it. And this kind of thing happens all the time. You know, you, you first start learning about a sport and at first you thought it was just a thing that happened, but the more you learn about it, the more you learn there's all kinds of things happening that you didn't first see or understand. There's more strategy than it first looked like. Sometimes you meet someone or you see a person, you're like, I would like to meet them. I would like to know them. I wanna be in a relationship with them. They seem so nice. They seem so lovely. They seem so kind. But then once you meet them, they become a bit of a disappointment and they're not as nice, and they're not as loving, and they're not as kind as maybe you first thought they were. And the opposite's true too. Sometimes there are people, and the more you learn about them, the more you know them, the more impressive they are, and the more interesting they become. There's, there's layers that begin to unfold 
And the more of their story you learn, this just whole vistas open up. And the same thing happens when it comes to Easter and when it comes to the cross. You know, there was lots of crosses. There was lots of crucifixions that happened. In the Roman period, so in 4 BC, for example, about 35 years before Jesus was crucified, the Roman general Varus crucified 2,000 Jews. That's a lot of crosses. There's, there's thousands of crucifixions. And yet we remember one specific crucifixion out of all the thousands that there were. And the reason why is because there was more going on in this crucifixion than it might first appear. And maybe you know that kind of Easter story. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've come to church every week and you know the whole thing. Maybe you haven't been to church for a long time or maybe ever. And, and so this might be your first time in a long time. And I don't know your story. There's, there's people in this room and the other room and out there. I, I don't know everyone's story and I don't know why you're here or where you've come from or what's happened to you on the way to bring you to this point. And maybe you're here and you love Easter and you love Jesus and you call yourself a Christian and you're here to remember and to reflect on Easter and the cross and all that it means. But maybe you're here and you don't call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't think about yourself like that. Maybe you're open to spiritual things. Maybe you think Jesus is interesting, maybe even impressive, but you're maybe just not quite sure what to do with that or, or what the next step is. Maybe you've still got questions, things that you need to think about. Maybe you're here and you don't even know why you're here. Maybe you're here and you don't even really want to be here. Maybe Maybe something happened a long time ago, some event, some church, some preacher, some Christian, and something happened. And it's just like, well, if that's how it is, if that's how they treat people, then I don't want anything to do with any of that. And maybe that's you and you're here and you're not even really sure how it happened, but here you are. And what I want to do, I'm not sure who you are or why you're here. What I would like us to do is just to look at one of these accounts of the first Easter where Jesus is crucified and just to see what the Bible author has to say about what happened and about what it means and about why it's still relevant after all these years and what impact it might have. And, and maybe we'll see some things that we've never really seen before, or perhaps we'll see that there was more happening there than we first thought. And so in, in one sense, Easter is the end of, a, end of the story. It's sort of like the climax, but there's a lot of stuff that led up to us arriving here at Easter, you know, at, at Jesus arriving onto a cross. And so here's what's happening. As we all know, the world is messed up. On the one hand, it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing 
and people are amazing and they're noble and they're valuable. And so when we do something against a person that hurts them, it upsets God, makes him angry because people are precious. And that's true. And then on the other hand, the world is also messed up. And we know this. I don't need to convince you of this. Horrible things happen. People do horrible things. And so it's kind of like the world and people are two sides of the same coin or, or they're two sides of the same problem. Precious, but very flawed and broken. And God promised that he would come into his world and he would, he would fix it. He would put everything right. He would make everything the way that it should be. And, and no one really knew what that meant or when he would do it. But he had promised that there was a time when he would come and he would make it right. And then onto the scene, into the middle of the Roman Empire, God walks in as a human in the person of Jesus. And he's come to, to fix it. And he came and he spoke and he taught and he said things that people had never heard before and he taught in ways that people had never seen before. And he showed these little glimpses of what the creation would be like when God fixed it. And he healed people and he, and he helped people to give little snapshots as to what it would look like when everything had been put right. And the religious leaders didn't like it. They hated it. They hated him. The crowds were at best mixed or confused about him, not quite sure, you know, where was the vengeance? Where was the judgment? Where was God going to destroy the enemies, you know? Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't punch one Roman in the face. And people were like, that's weird. That's not what we thought he would do. And so as we heard in the reading a little bit earlier, the leaders of Israel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they all conspire to have Jesus arrested and killed. And then here we are, they've arrested him and now he's on trial. And there's lots of back and forth arguing between the Jewish leaders and this guy called Pontius Pilate. That's his name. By the way, that, that's not his job. He's, he's not a pilot. His name is Pontius Pilate. And his job was, he was the governor of Jerusalem, the Roman leader. And we know, because he is a historical person, we know at around about AD 30, he is on thin ice with the Roman emperor, Tiberius. So Pilate's just trying to keep his job. You know, he doesn't want to become Pontius Pilate unemployed. But in what we had read out, you might have heard this a few times, the Roman rulers, Pilate and Herod, they definitely think that Jesus is innocent. They say it over and over again. They say that they, there is no basis for a charge against him. They say that he's done nothing to deserve the death penalty. They say there's no grounds for it. And so they're having this argument and Pilate eventually gives in because he just wants to keep his job. And they take Jesus off up 
a hill outside Jerusalem and they crucified him by literally nailing him to a piece of wood and hanging him up. And it's this super vicious, brutal, painful way to be killed. It was so painful that, did you know, they invented a word to describe how painful it was because they didn't have a word that worked. So they, but they invented the word excruciating. And that's what that word means. It literally means the intense pain of crucifixion because there was no other word that kind of captured it, excruciating. And so there's this event. That's what we're remembering this morning. But what's interesting, I think, what's a bit weird is we don't call it Sad Friday or Bad Friday. We call it Good Friday. And there's a reason for that. But it's, but it's weird to think about it. And, and we say, here's this man who they conspired against and they lied about, who was innocent, but there was this total dog and pony show, this, this miscarriage of justice. They get him killed, executed in the most inhumane brutal form of torture and execution that we've yet been able to invent. So they crucify him so painfully we had to invent a word to describe the pain. And we think about all of that and we call it Good Friday. It's weird to think about. And then in the middle of all of this happening, you know, you've got the, the trial and stuff and then the crucifixion. In the middle, Luke, the writer of this history, includes this total tangent about a guy called Barabbas. And again, it's so weird when you read it, and maybe you felt this as it was being read out. It seems like such a tangent, and then we get back to the story. This is from Luke chapter 23. I'll read it out to you, verses 18 and 19. Pilate's about to give his verdict to the Jewish leaders. And he's like, look, both me and Herod, we think Jesus is innocent. Uh, We can't find any basis for the charge against him. So what we'll do is we'll beat him up and then we'll let him go. And then the Jewish leaders reply, it says, they all cried out, take this man away, release Barabbas to us. And then we're told he had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. And that's pretty much all we know about him. That's it. He's a rebel. He led a revolt. He's a murderer. He took part in an insurrection. He's a terrorist. The name Barabbas means son of the father. Bar means son and Abbas, Abba, means father. And so here here we have this son of the father and Jesus is there and he also is the son of the father. And so it's this tale of two sons. Which one is really the son of the father? And, And here's Pilate in between these two men. Both of them are on death row. Barabbas is a thug and a murderer. He's tried to violently overthrow the Roman government. He's guilty of murder. 
He's guilty of treason. Then over here, there's Jesus, the son of the father, God himself. And he's done nothing wrong to anyone. He hasn't murdered anyone. He hasn't tried to overthrow the Romans, doesn't have an army. He's innocent. And Pilate says, one of them will be crucified, but I'll give you Jesus because he's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. And it's not even, it's not even a comparison, right? It's all so unfair. Barabbas is a murderer and a thug and a, a rebel against Rome. He deserves to be on death row. He's a bad man and he's done bad things. He's killed people. He, he, he deserves the chains. He deserves the punishment. He deserves the crucifixion. And what has Jesus done? He's befriended people. He's helped people. He's healed people. He's set people free. He's he's made people whole. He's opened blind eyes and he's helped deaf people hear. What what has Jesus done to be here? Nothing. And so Pilate's like, who do you want? Jesus, right? And they're like, no, no. Give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Crucify him. And you can feel in in Luke's emphasis, just the way that he writes, his shock and his sadness. He writes in verse 23, he says, but they kept up the pressure demanding with loud voices that he be crucified and their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand and released the one they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will. And so they, they unchain Barabbas. They, they unshackle him and he goes free. He gets his life back. The people wanted him. They chose him. And he walks into their arms, my people. And then he's gone. We never hear about him again. And Jesus is left on the platform. And he, and he didn't say anything and, and he's taken away to be mocked and beaten and hung up on the cross outside the city like a criminal, like a piece of meat, and there he dies. And it's not even fair. And so the point is, Barabbas is not the true son of the father. Even though he was the popular choice, even though he was the people's choice, No, the true son of the father was the one crucified. You won't find him in the arms of the people. You'll find him on the cross, paying the price for the people. And maybe you think to yourself, why Barabbas? Why include him? Why interrupt the story 
to tell us about him to begin with? Why not just skip him? Why emphasize him so much? I mean, this all really happened in history, but you could have, Luke could have just skipped him and just cut it out and it wouldn't have, it still would have made total sense. Trial, crucifixion. But he includes him. This, this tangent, it's such an intrusion. It's such a distraction. And the reason why Luke includes it is because it's not a distraction. It's not a tangent. It's not an intrusion. It's an illustration. It's, it's an explanation of what's really happening. Jesus is innocent and the guilty one goes free. Jesus takes his place. Jesus loves Barabbas. And the father loves Barabbas. And their love sets him free. And Jesus takes his place. And I read this story and I realize who Barabbas is. He's me. He's you. He's, he's us. Now, the, uh, the difference is I haven't killed anybody. And I don't know all of you, but my, I presume, I presume neither have you. But, but I'm not perfect, you know. I've done things that I'm not proud of. I've done things and said things that I regret and that I don't talk about and that I'm glad you don't know about. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, if you're honest with yourself, there's things that you regret. There's mistakes that you've made. There's promises, perhaps, that you've broken there's things that you feel guilty about, that you feel ashamed of. There's times where you've hurt people and maybe you've even hurt them on purpose. And I know that's true for you because it's true for me. We are Barabbas and God loves Barabbas and Jesus sets him free. This is why Good Friday is called good. It's not just that an innocent person is being brutally slaughtered by his enemies. It's that something is happening on this cross, different to all the other ones. There's, there's more going on than you might first think. There's more happening than it first looks. Yes, Jesus is murdered, but he's not a victim. He does this on purpose. There's, there's a point. But why does this happen? What, what kind of person, let alone what kind of king, plans to die like this? What kind of son of the father plans to be crucified like this? Who is this man? Why does he do this? Well, here's why. The reason why is because the king wants you in his kingdom. God wants you to be with him in heaven. And, and in order to get there, you need to be perfect. And that's a problem because we're not. When I was little, my mom would often ask me to tidy my room. And my room was basically a bed, a bookcase, desk, cupboard. And that was it. And 
what I remember is my mum, she was good at lots of things. But one of the things that she was an expert in was pigsties. Because she would often come into my room and she would say, this is the worst pigsty I have ever seen. And you don't just say that unless you've seen a lot of pigsties. And so she would come in and say that and she'd say, you need to clean up this room and you can't leave until it's clean. Now, as you know, there are many ways to clean a room. You know, you can start from the middle and go out in concentric circles. You can do it in sections. You can do it by category, you know, paper, toys, books, organic matter. (laughs) And do it like that. The way that I found was often the fastest was just to take all of the mess and just shove it into the cupboard. Then you'd close those doors and they would only just be shut, right? And if you just touched them the wrong way, it was like they were spring-loaded and they would just fly open and all the stuff would come out. So you'd close them real carefully and you'd tell mum that it's, it's, all, it's all clean. And she would come in and she'd say something like, well, that, that was quick. I hope you didn't just shove it all in the cupboard. And then I would say something like, Oh, mother, I would never sink to such cheap parlor tricks to try and fool someone with an intellect like yours. And she would say something like, oh, well, that's good. And then she'd walk over to the cupboard and then she would theatrically fling the door open and all the stuff would just come tumbling out in just this massive pile of that just communicated, I'm not leaving this room anytime soon. And you know, in the same way, one time, the time will come after you die where you will stand before the king. And no matter how clean and tidy and perfect your life looks, he will open the door of the cupboard of your life and it will all come tumbling out. And whether your life is a mess or whether it looks like it's all pretty clean and in its its places, all the mistakes, all the regrets, all the things that you're ashamed of, all the things that you've shoved into the cupboard of your life that you try and forget about and that you don't talk to anyone about, all of that will come tumbling out. And, and, and trying to be a good person, trying to do more good things than bad things won't help. It won't help you because it's not about doing more good things than bad things. It's about being perfect <laughs> and we're not. And, and that's a problem for us. That's a problem for you. It's a problem for me. And the consequences of not being perfect is we don't get to be with God in heaven after we die. And that's, and that's a problem that we can't solve ourselves because all of the rubbish that's in all of our cupboards needs to be dealt with. It needs to be cleaned up. Someone needs to deal with it. And it'll either be you or it'll be Jesus. But it can't be me, right? I've got my own cupboard, my own stuff in it. 
but Jesus can deal with it for you. That's what the cross is. That's, that's why it's Good Friday, because Jesus is the substitute who takes your place and deals with your mess. And it's your only hope. This is all you've got. People say sometimes, no, I'll, I'll, I'll work it out. I'll figure it out. I'll deal with it myself. And it's like, well, yeah, you will deal with it yourself, but you won't work it out. You won't figure it out. It's too big. It's too much. It's too hard. You won't be able to. This is your only hope that Jesus would step in for you. Jesus loves Barabbas. Jesus takes his place. Jesus dies his death, takes his punishment, takes the consequences for him. Jesus dies and Barabbas goes free. And that's Christianity. That's Easter. That's why we call it good news. That's why we call it Good Friday. Because God has done something for me that I could never do for myself. It's too hard. Something so outrageous that you could never do it for yourself. That's why it's good news. And so maybe, maybe you're here today and you've not really thought about any of this before. Not really. Or maybe not for a long time. Maybe this is your first time at church really ever. And maybe you're not quite sure yet about all this Jesus stuff. You're not quite sure what you want to do with it. But maybe you'd like to find out more. Or maybe you're here and you used to go to church a long time ago. But for whatever reason, you stopped and you walked away, and, and perhaps you're here this morning and you kind of would like to restart. You know, you'd kind of like to have another go at it. And so whoever you are, we just want to help you take whatever the next step for you is. See, Jesus loves Barabbas, takes his place, takes his punishment, dies so that he could go free. Jesus is the one who can deal with all the regrets and all the mistakes that you've piled up and hidden in your cupboard. That's what the cross is all about. He can deal with them so that when you stand before God, you don't have to deal with them yourself. Today's Good Friday, and it'll be Good Friday no matter what you do. But perhaps you've recognized, maybe for the first time, that Jesus is the Son of the Father. Maybe you've realized, perhaps for the first time, that at some point it will all come tumbling out. And what are you going to do about it? And so perhaps it's time to make Good Friday a Good Friday for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what it means that there's so much more happening there than 
maybe at first looks. And Father, we do thank you that, that you love Barabbas. And Father, we do pray that you would help each one of us, no matter where we are or where we're up to with you, that you would help us to see Jesus a little bit more clearly, perhaps. And Father, we pray for each one of us that you would help us to put our trust in him, that he would deal with our mess for us. Thank you again for all that you have done. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen.